congregation, the text for this morning's sermon is found in the last passage we read from. Our focus will be on John chapter 19, the verses 23 and 24. And let us read those words again. There we read, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. With the undergarment remaining, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. And so far the text, and after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song. Let us sing from Psalm 132, stanzas 9 and 10. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Clothing. Yes, we're all wearing clothing today, like we do every day. Have you ever given much thought to why we wear clothing? Why we need to dress modestly? Do we realize that? Clothing is a a blessing from our God and Father. It's thanks to Jesus Christ who was crucified naked. We have received so many gifts and also the gift of clothing. Indeed, Jesus Christ was humbled in the fact that he was crucified. And this morning we will see that he was further humbled in that he was crucified naked. And in this way, yes, he carried the curse of our God and Father. Yes, he was cursed so that we might be blessed. Yes, that we might be blessed with righteousness, but also with clothing. Yes, we are clothed with his righteousness, but also with pants and shirts and skirts and socks and blouses. It's what a wonderful gift. From our Father, through our Mediator, Jesus Christ. But do we really enjoy this gift? Do we seek to go in this way of blessing? Do we clothe ourselves? Do we cover our nakedness? Yes, just how do we dress every day again? As in our so-called civilized Western world, clothing becomes increasingly scant and revealing. Yes, minimal clothing is considered stylish. The more revealing, the more short, the more tight, the more tummy shown, the better. Indeed, some people scream for attention by the way they dress. Scantily clad, we say they draw many eyes to themselves. Indeed, people don't always use clothes the way the Lord God intended, and that is to cover our nakedness. Yes, public nakedness becoming increasingly more acceptable. And you also see this in the fact that there's a widespread acceptance of pornography. Yes, this happens when people turn their backs in unbelief on our Lord Jesus Christ. And what about us? 
It's what about us who have been redeemed, who have been redeemed from the curse of nakedness, who have been clothed with righteousness by faith. Do we as a result put on clothes which properly cover us? Do we dress modestly? Do we dress in a way which shows that we are thankful for what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? God's word then comes to you this morning summarized under this theme. Our father stripped Jesus Christ completely naked so that we might be fully clothed. We'll pay attention to two things. First, the curse which the father brought on the second Adam. And second, the blessing which the father brought by the second Adam. I repeat, our father stripped Jesus Christ completely naked so that we might be fully clothed. And we'll pay attention first to the curse which the father brought on the second Adam and then the blessing which he brought by the second Adam. As beloved, once the governor Pontius Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified, the soldiers took charge of him. As carrying his own cross, he went out to Golgotha under their escort. And then here in Golgotha, The soldiers crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this way, our our Lord, our King, was further humiliated. Indeed, death by crucifixion was truly humiliating. It was usually lowly slaves and criminals that were crucified. Now, here we have the King of Kings crucified. Now, there is one thing that the soldiers did when they crucified Jesus Christ that added to his humiliation. As we read in our text of this morning, when the soldiers crucified Jesus Christ, they took his clothes. And this meant that Jesus Christ hung on the cross naked. Yes, to strip the victim of all his clothes, deepen the the shame, the humiliation of his crucifixion. And so, yes, Romans usually had their victims hang naked. And why not the Lord Jesus Christ? And so God's people could see his nakedness. Now, people are not comfortable about the fact that Jesus Christ was stripped naked for his crucifixion. It's also today people are not comfortable with this. And you can see that in the different works of art that are done respect to Christ's crucifixion. If you look at the many paintings, many paintings, Jesus Christ crucified is pictured as having a little bit of covering over his private parts. Beloved, this is not what our text indicates. For what happened? What happened was we have four soldiers here we were to crucify our Lord Jesus Christ. And before they could put him on the cross, they took his clothes. As we read in our text, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares. One for each one of them. With the undergarment remaining. Yes, they took his clothes, his garments. Notice the plural is used here. Jesus Christ was wearing more than one piece of clothing. It was typical of the time. 
Most people wore several pieces of clothing. They would be wearing a coat or a mantle. They would also be wearing a belt around their waist. They would be also having headwear, headgear, something covering their head. And they would also have them footwear. They would have most likely then sandals on their feet. And then under it all was the most basic of clothing. Yes, this tunic, this undergarment. And this last piece, this is mentioned separately. And so we have this squad of Roman soldiers here to crucify our Lord and Savior. They strip him of his clothes. Then they would tie him to the cross. Then they would nail him to the cross. And then there he would be hanging on the cross, left to suffer and to die. And while he was, yes, suffering there on the cross, what did the Roman soldiers do with his clothing? The clothing that was laying there in a pile on the ground. Well, as John writes in his gospel, they divided his clothing, his garments. Each one of those four soldiers took one piece for themselves, and then there was that last piece remaining, this undergarment. As John makes specific mention of this, this one piece of clothing. This full body underwear, you might say, covering the trunk of the body, most basic piece of clothing, and in this case, the most valuable of Jesus' clothing. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom, and not wanting to tear this garment and make it useless, they they cast lots for it. You would say they threw dice for it to find out who would get it. No, no good to rip this garment apart and each have a little piece and serve any purpose. And so they rolled the lot for this last piece. That they rolled the lot is not surprising. It was typical of Roman soldiers to pass the time of crucifixion by gambling a little. Now in the past, much has been made of this, this seamless garment. And some commentators would have us think that this is the same kind of garment which had been worn by God's priests as they served in the temple. Yet yet the priest's garment was not an undergarment, as is the case here. No, the priest wore a fancy outer garment, a coat without seam, a coat which is meant to be seen by all. Now here it was different. We're talking here of an undergarment which really wasn't meant to be seen. And yes, for this plain undergarment, the soldiers, they gambled. They cast lots. It only showed that our Lord Jesus Christ had very little worth taking. This was only an undergarment worth gambling for. And so the squad of soldiers did this. And this was, as we read in our text, to fulfill the scriptures. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Is what we have here, beloved, is a fulfillment of the words of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 18. A psalm of David. A psalm we already sang from. A psalm which speaks of the suffering of the great King David. And what did King David not endure in the way of suffering when he was forced to flee from his son Absalom? Is what humiliation did he not endure at that time? 
Suddenly David had to flee out of Jerusalem, taking nothing along. Yes, so he went barefoot, as we can read in 2 Samuel 15. Yes, and in this way he was punished before the eyes of his people for his sin with Bathsheba. Yes, David could not hide. He knew he was guilty before the Lord, and he knew that he was finished. His demise was certain. His enemies would take everything away from him. And that is why David would say then here, they divided my garments among them, they cast lots for my clothing, yes, all his possessions. Not just his kingdom and his palace, but also the clothes on his very back would, would fall into the hands of his enemies. And he was certain that death would follow, as he even thought God had forsaken him. Yet as we know from the Old Testament, David was delivered. His father held on to him. He did not experience the full curse of nakedness, his thanks to his great son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For it was his great son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who experienced the full curse of nakedness instead. Yes, it was Jesus Christ who would not just be without his sandals, but also without his belt and his headdress and coat and undergarments. Yes, everything would be stripped of him. Yes, he who was fully clothed was now completely stripped naked. Stripped naked. What a way to humiliate someone, especially one of God's covenant people. Nothing was more shameful than for one of them to be shown naked. As you strip someone of his or her clothes, you leave them vulnerable. And you make them a laughing stock. Yes, how quickly do we laugh at those who stand naked? But why? Why did our Father in heaven remove the clothes of our Savior Jesus Christ by the hands of these Roman soldiers? Why did our Lord Jesus Christ hang on the cross naked? Why was he cursed by the Father also in this way? Well, beloved, when there is disobedience, when there is an unwillingness to serve the Lord God, one will experience the curse of nakedness. That is what the Lord God said already to his people in the Old Testament in his law. There in Deuteronomy 28, he said, Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. And as we know from the Old Testament, the Lord God's people did not always faithfully serve Him and joyfully serve Him. How often did they not serve other gods rather than Him, the only living God? And as we can read then in Ezekiel 16, the Lord threatened to punish his people and he would punish them. And then in this way, as we can read there, I will strip you in front of your lovers and they will see your nakedness. Yes, disobedience and unwillingness to serve the Lord God would result in punishment and the curse, which included nakedness. Now, beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ endured this curse. He endured this punishment, which we all deserved. 
Is he carried the curse of nakedness because of our sins? Is he suffered the shame of nakedness there on the cross of Golgotha because of our wickedness and disobedience? Indeed, the Father's covenant curse of nakedness was placed on the second Adam on our Lord Jesus Christ because of our first sin and all our sins which followed. Yes, and indeed, it all started with the first Adam. It all started when Adam and Eve rebelled against God when they sinned. And so let us go back there to the beginning. And let us realize that there in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were both naked, and as we can read in Genesis, they were not ashamed. Because that is how it all started. They were not ashamed with their nakedness. They were not ashamed before each other as husband and wife. But more important, they were not ashamed before the Lord their God. And why not? Why were they not ashamed there in the beginning with their nakedness? Because in the very beginning there was no sin among them. There was, so to speak, nothing to hide, nothing to cover up between man and woman, but also be between them and God. The nakedness in the very beginning was part and parcel of the harmony of God's perfect and blessed creation. And then we all know what happens. Then they ate of the fruit of the tree. They fell into sin and suddenly there came this change. Yes, having eaten of the fruits, their eyes of both of them were opened and they knew, as we can read there, that they were naked. Suddenly their nakedness disturbed them. What was before, yes, wholly proper and and comfortable was now something unpleasant and and distasteful. Yes, suddenly they felt this shame. It's this sudden shame of their nakedness show they had sinned. Show they were no longer holy and righteous before God. And show they had broken that covenant relationship with their father. It's also made clear from what happened next. Realizing they were naked, they wanted to cover up. And so they sewed fig leaves together, making coverings for themselves. But then they heard, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden and in the cool of the day and And what did they do? They hid themselves. They hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then just listen to what Adam said to God when he came calling on him. Yes, he said out, yes, Adam, Adam, where are you? And then Adam answered, I heard you. God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. He's suddenly aware of their nakedness. Afraid before God, and they flee from His holy presence. Thankfully, God did not destroy them right there in a just judgment. No, in His mercy, in His grace, God asked that question. He asked them, Who told you you were naked? Well, by speaking about His nakedness, Adam had betrayed Himself. How could He have become aware of His nakedness unless He had sinned? Unless he had broken God's command, don't eat of that tree. And so God asked Adam, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat from? Yes, they both had eaten. They had sinned. They were disobedient. They were fearful of the Lord God. They were ashamed of their nakedness. Indeed, their guilt showed in their shame about being naked before him. Is being naked before the fall, no reason to be ashamed. 
after the fall, reason for great shame. It's that shame about outward nakedness. It's a reminder that inwardly there was something wrong. In this way, they were reminded that their hearts were now corrupted by sin. As having broken God's covenant command, they deserve to experience His curse. They deserve to come under His wrath. And what could they do to stop God coming in His wrath? Well, they realized they needed to cover themselves up. They needed to cover up their nakedness. And as I mentioned before, they sewed fig leaves together. They made coverings for themselves. Is they needed to protect themselves from their own sinfulness, from their own depravity. And they tried to protect themselves by making coverings of, of fig leaves. And we say, what a weak attempt, beloved. What a weak attempt to, to relieve their shame over this nakedness. To rid themselves of the sense of guilt. These fig leaves, these filthy little rags of self-made righteousness could not really cover them. They needed help. And in His grace, in His mercy, God our Father stepped in again. Yes, He would save Adam and Eve and all their descendants, all those who believed from the degrading and disgracing power of sin. And in His mercy and His grace, the Lord God gave them something better than them fig leaves. He gave them His glorious promise. The promise of victory over sin and Satan. And see, promised that one of their descendants would crush the head of the serpent. We read that there. Yes, there would come one who by his suffering and death would clothe them with righteousness. Talk about a gracious God. Talk about wonderful blessings that he promised. And a light of his gracious promise of a deliverer, of a savior. Then God also gave Adam and Eve, yes, good clothes. Something better than fig leaves to cover themselves. As we read it there in Genesis, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Yes, garments of animal skins. We're talking here about something durable, nothing flimsy. So the Lord God himself gave a covering for the nakedness of Adam and Eve and all who come after them. And so we too, we too have received covering from God, clothing from our God. It's real material clothing. Our clothing is not the result of people's love for fashion or people being simply more civilized. No, our clothing is nothing less than a gift from our God and Father. A gift given right after the fall there in paradise. A gift given to all mankind. Yes, God has given us the gift of clothing. He's given us clothing to curb, to restrain the power and the effects of sin. For yes, we all struggle with our sinful nature, our depraved and lustful natures. And so He gives us clothing. He helps us also in this respect. But who, yes, who would eventually defeat the power of sin at work? At work in this world and at work in each and every one of us? Who would eventually remove the effect of sin altogether? Who would clothe us with righteousness? The first Adam could not do this. 
He was like you and me, a sinner in need of righteousness, in need of God's grace, in need of God's mercy. We needed the last Adam, the second Adam. Blessing would come by him who carried the curse. And that brings us to our second point. Beloved, the Lord God fulfilled his promise that he gave there in paradise. He fulfilled the promise that one of Adam and Eve's descendants would conquer sin and Satan. Yes, one of his descendants would crush the head of the serpent. And that descendant was none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And how would Jesus Christ conquer? He would conquer by going the way of complete humiliation. By being stripped naked by his father. And then made to suffer and die on the cross. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, he was humiliated. By being made to hang naked on the cross. And yes, the naked one was cursed by God. And so the full curse of God came upon him. And it came upon him for our sake. Yes, the full judgment of God's wrath against our sins came upon Jesus Christ. As he showed his great displeasure for our sins. Rejecting his son. And leaving him to his wrath. This was not the time for Jesus, for the father to show his grace and, and cover Jesus Christ up. Rather, the blessing of clothing was taken from Jesus Christ by his father. He was fully exposed, fully exposed to the wrath of his father for our sake. So he was rejected and cursed and naked before our father. And so he carried our shame. He carried our sin for us. It's what the soldiers did, stripping Jesus Christ naked. That was shameful. Yet by means of the shameful deed of these Roman soldiers, God's gracious plan of salvation was fulfilled. And so we do not need to be ashamed of him who hung on the cross naked. That we may rejoice in that great work on the cross. This work benefits us. For realize he rose from the dead for our righteousness. And today he is seated at the right hand of God, the Father, There he is, crowned with glory and honor. And we now live under his blessing. We live under his grace. Yes, thanks to Jesus Christ, the son of David, the second Adam, our relationship with our father has been restored. Thanks to him we are clothed with the righteousness of our Lord and Savior. We may say, yes, with Isaiah the prophet, I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me. He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And so, yes, our shameful nakedness, our sins and shortcomings, they're covered by him. And we will not be caught naked on the day of Christ's return. For as the Lord Jesus Christ said in Revelation 16, Behold, I, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes on so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Yes, our sins are covered, now and forever, as we believe in Jesus Christ our Lord. But not only are we spiritually clothed, but we have received so much more. We have also received real clothing to wear. Yeah, we pray for our daily bread 
Each day we pray our Father for this. And this includes, yes, food and drink, but also clothing. And thanks to the work of Christ, the Father, yes, provides. In fact, we have an abundance. We often have more clothes than we need. But then let us wear those clothes. Let us wear them in a holy way, in a sanctified way. In a way which brings praise and glory to our Father in heaven. And this means then, yes, that we, we wear our clothes in a modest way and in a chaste and pure way. In a way which makes clear to everyone around us that the Holy Spirit does truly live in us. Let's be careful then. That we do not dress in such a way that we insult Christ our King who hung on the cross naked because of our sins. Now let's dress properly with these good gifts of our God and Father. But do we see, do we see our clothing as good gifts of our Father secured for us through our Lord Jesus Christ? Do we make sure that we clothe ourselves decently or, or do we seek to flaunt what should be covered up? Beloved, as those who believe in Jesus Christ, we seek to dress modestly. And you see this. You see this on the mission fields. What do those who live in the steamy hot jungles do when they come to faith in Jesus Christ? They start wearing clothing. Proper clothing. Once when they were unbelievers, when they were pagans, they walked about partly or completely naked. Now that they believe in Jesus Christ, they enjoy the good gift of clothing from the hand of our Heavenly Father. They wear modest clothing even as they live in steaming hot jungles. And then there's the flip side when people turn their back on the Lord Jesus Christ in unbelief. What do we see? We see increasing nakedness also in public. And you just have to look at the revealing clothing styles of uh, the many movie and music stars. And this has an effect on the average Joe and Susie. You only have to look around in the streets, in the stores, in the schools, in the malls, especially in the summertime. You know, suggestive dressing, suggestive clothing is, is very much in. Yes, people need to, they think they need to flaunt their bodies. And what should be covered is uncovered. And if it is covered, then it's... It's often covered too tightly or so as to get attention. And what about us? How do we dress? How do our teenagers dress? Are we blindly following the, yes, the suggestive styles of the world around us? Are we always pushing the limits, screaming for attention? See me, see me. Beloved, let us be warned. When we dress in revealing ways, And we see the forces and the powers of sinful lust at work. When we think nothing of people dressing very scantily, then we have become very degrading of others. When we have no shame about being just completely or partially naked before others, save our husband and wife. When we have no problems watching pornography, then we're entangled with serious sin against the Lord our God. Then we show we have a very warped mind, a seared and adult conscience. Then you would say nothing makes you blush anymore. Beloved, let's have no part of this. For we believe in Jesus Christ crucified, do we not? 
Do we not believe that we are clothed in his, his righteousness? And that this will then show outwardly. Then we will indeed put on love. And that will show, yes, in the way we put on our clothes. And how we cover our bodies. This means, yes, dressing in modest and in holy ways. Showing that the Holy Spirit is living within us. Then we do not mindlessly take on the sleazy and revealing style of clothing of this world for any day of the week. Let us as believers be truly discerning. And then teaching also our children and teenagers and young adults to be truly discerning. And so let us go forward in this way, in the way of obedience. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he too went in the way of obedience. And obedience for us, yes, that means modest dressing. Yes, wearing beautiful clothes, good clothes, but modest clothes. Going forward then in this way to the day of Jesus Christ's return. And when we come to this great day, the day of his return, we as believers will be clothed. We'll be clothed with eternal glory. Yes, through our Lord Jesus Christ who was stripped naked on the cross. May we be there on that last day, that great day, with our best clothes on, our wedding clothes. For then we will come to the marriage feast of the Lamb who was once slain. Then the bridegroom, yes, he will give out wedding clothes. Then we will be dressed in the white robes of righteousness. Yes, robes made white, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen.